This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jota, Dundalk and Cavan. Order your new 221 Renault today from our extensive Renault range. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Welcome to Late Lunch on this Tuesday afternoon. Great to have you with us on the show. We're with you until half past three here on LMFM Radio. My artist of the week is Rod Stewart. We'll hear more about him and I have a cracking song for you today. We're going to be talking to Alan Bradley about eating disorders in men. Our veterinarian Kelly is here. If you have any questions for her, get them to us now. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. So you can call in on 1850 the boys are back in town. Byrne, Smith and Coldrick, yes, return to Navin this weekend and we'll be chatting to some musical maestros on the show in a while. But first up today, the dust is still settling from COP26 and a man who was there from start to finish is one of our foremost climate experts who operates from the Geography Department at Maynooth University. He's Emeritus Professor John Sweeney and he's back with us on Late Lunch. Hello again, John. Good afternoon, Jerry. Thank you for joining me. A short question to kick the ball off. A success, failure or work in progress? I think a work in progress. Uh, the, the way I, I often describe the outcome of this conference is that, we, that there were several baby steps taken when we really needed a giant step to be taken. Uh, and and in, in fact, you know, we, uh, I've come away a bit disappointed, like many people, from the events of the past uh, 24 hours, the last 24 hours of the meeting. But there are some there are some bits of light on the horizon uh, from the conference, which I think will prove a bit more sustaining. But I think it's fair to say that, um, you know, the, the COP, it really undergoes three different stages that I've experienced, and I've been to 10 of them now. The first is the kind of euphoric stage where all the world leaders come along and they say all the noble things about climate change that we would like them to say. And then they go, they go away and they leave the, the, the daily deliberations to their officials. And their officials come to some kind of consensus with all the other countries, and there are 197 countries involved, so that's not easy. And then finally, in the last few days, the ministers come back and they either sanction or don't sanction what has been provisionally agreed. And this is very much what happened in Glasgow. Uh, we had we had the first two phases going, and then at the very last minute, uh, we had a number of different draft agreements coming out. The first one was really good. Um, it said everything that climate people would like it to say. And then, you know, it got gradually whittled away. First of all, the uh, the aspect of fossil fuels, 
um, by Saudi Arabia principally objecting uh, to, to uh, uh, an end to fossil fuels. And then finally, in the last analysis, and, and it overran into Saturday evening, uh, finally China and India objecting to the draft and watering it down even further so that instead of talking about an end to coal, uh, we talk about the phase down of unabated coal power. Instead of talking about an end to fuel subsidies, we talk about uh, um, a phasing out of inefficient fuel subsidies. So uh, those kind of weasel words mean almost anything to anybody. And uh, it kind of diluted considerably the impact that we thought this COP was going to have and the radical changes that uh, it recognised itself were necessary to avoid breaching the 1.5 degree temperature limit. And, um, of course, uh, it goes from the IPCC, um, which have already said we need about a 45% cut in emissions by 2030 to avoid that dangerous threshold. And really, you know, if you if you were to look at what came out of this COP, well, it's not awfully convincing that we're going to get to, to, get to that point at all. So that was disappointing. Mm. So how, John, do you ever overcome it? Christmas is on the horizon and, you know, the famous saying, Turkey's voting for Christmas. Why would Saudi Arabia uh, vote uh, to uh, eliminate ultimately fossil fuels or China or India, coal or gas as well? These massive producers that sell to other countries in the world and the bedrocks of their economy. How do you ever, ever, uh, you know, square that circle? Well, in the case of China and India, of course, you know, they, they will be victims of climate change big time if, uh, if we do go down that mm. business as usual road because, you know, the glaciers in the Himalayas, which feed the, feed the, the Indus, which feed the Ganges, uh, which feed um, the, the Yellow River and, and uh, the main rivers of China, those, those, are going to dry, those are going to disappear and they will then uh, have acute consequences for those countries. So they do have to face up to the fact uh, that those rivers and, and their water supply will be threatened by, by those problems and also drought down the long road. But also I think you know, countries like China and India, they have a legitimate argument to, to a certain extent because they are saying to us in the developed world, look, you built your wealth on dirty coal and dirty oil. Mm. Now you want to deprive us of development uh, based on the same minerals. And whatever remaining carbon budget the world has, those two big countries are saying, well, we have a better claim on them than you in the developed world who have historically used up the carbon budget to this point. So it is difficult at times to argue against some of those big developing countries. But on the other hand, when you listen, and I did, I sat and listened to uh, the peoples from the Marshall Islands, from Tuvalu, um, from from Fiji saying, look, um, we are going to be history in 40 years. Our country is going to be submerged beneath the waters. We're going to lose our culture. We're going to disperse our population somewhere. That's a very tough ask, really, because, you know, they are the people who have not caused the problem, and yet they are the people who we in the developed world primarily are consigning to history. So there is an issue of justice. Um, there's an issue of ethics here, which I think you can't get around. Uh, and the way around it has partly been for the developed world to say, well, look, we will help you 
to develop sustainably in places like India, in places like China, in many parts of Africa. We will support you with adaptation finance to cope with climate change. And that was one of the positive things that came out of Glasgow in that uh, funding for adaptation um, is really going to be doubled now. And um, developed countries, including Ireland, it has to be said, have stood up to the plate and said, yes, we will do that. So there is a sign that finance is going to start flowing to those developing countries. And it's flowing very slowly, as you can imagine. Uh, way back in uh, the time of the Paris Agreement, uh, we promised $100 billion a year uh, to those countries. And you know that, that hasn't materialised ever since. It won't materialise for another couple of years. So you know we're, we are way behind the curve on the developed world. Now, it sounds like an awful lot of money, $100 billion. But we in Ireland, uh, we, we subsidise our fossil fuels to the extent of $2.5 billion a year. So we're not exactly blameless ourselves here. Uh, and in the bigger scheme of things, that $100 billion will not go that far in terms of helping countries who are ravaged by cyclones, who are ravaged by, by ocean sea levels rising and so on. So there's a big task, a big a big job to be done there. And uh, one of the positive things about, I suppose, Glasgow is that they have agreed to come back next year with increased ambition, with new pledges, uh, with a, a determination of, well, what have they not done? What have they not achieved? And how are they going to change the direction that they've been on? So I think there is some hope that down the road we will continue to get progress um, in this area. And, and, of course, the market is driving a lot of change. Coal is now much more expensive uh, than solar energy or wind energy in most parts of the world. So um, but things will change quickly. And I think, you know, we have to recognise that um, if we don't, then we face acute problems, not just on a global level, but even in places like Ireland down the road. So it's in our interest to try and push that change to happen as quick as possible. There are three prongs. There's a three-pronged approach here from what you're saying to me. I'm listening to you there. We pay them. Catastrophes will focus these nations' minds when they happen and new technologies bypassing the old. But let's bring it home to Ireland, John, for a moment. And I'm just sitting here today and there are people listening thinking, OK, we want to buy into this, we want to help. So let's look at it in a practical sense. Electric cars and the cost of them at the moment. Secondly, retrofitting homes. A lot of money to be spent there as well. Just two aspects of areas we can help. What can our government or should our government do to help people listening today, you know, move in the proper and the right direction? Well, there's lots of things that already are being done. For example, you know, there are tax incentives in electric cars. Now, I agree they haven't come down in price as much as one would like. But there are models on the market which are now highly competitive um, with petrol and diesel cars. Um, And, of course, you have a tax advantage in in terms of taxing those cars as well. So, you know, things are moving in that direction for transport. um, uh, But in terms of retrofits, yes, it's a huge ask. The, the number of houses that we're supposed to retrofit in, in the next uh, in the next ten years, and the big question there is, of course, have we got the skills to do it? And here, I think we have to recognise that there will be there will be difficulties. We will have to retrain people, maybe coming out of things like the, like the, the peat burning power stations, for example, who have great skills 
and need to be retooled. There are possibilities there that we have to change our economy. But let's be honest here, if we don't move in that direction, we will be left behind in the slipstream of of economies who have evolved more quickly. And that new market that's opening up in those renewable technologies, uh, in renewable transport systems, that's something that I think we don't want to be as an island, as a country, left out of in the future because there will be huge employment possibilities and huge opportunities for the next generation of Irish people, if you like, uh, to make their living in such areas. Nobody is going to make a living anymore in Ireland on the old technologies. We're not going to be able to see uh, petrol and diesel cars being bought new uh, within 10 or 15 years. So, you know, we have to adapt. And, and by adapting, we can position Ireland economically uh, to, to exploit its nimbleness, to exploit its huge potential in terms of a young, adaptable, well-educated workforce. We can exploit those in terms of, of, of accessing that new economy which is developing so quickly. And, you know, you only have to look to places like California to see how quick they are to embrace those new technologies. And, and that's where the employment will be in the future. Now, there will be difficulties at a personal level. There's no doubt we will have to see changes in employment structure going on, changes in patterns of movement, changes in transport systems. Uh, these are radical. But without them... We don't face a future as as a globe. We don't face a future as a country in terms of sustainability. And again, you know, going back to those South Sea Island people, um, you know, they will be gone, but we will also be facing huge problems uh, around our cities in terms of sea level rise. Uh, We'll be facing huge problems in terms of flooding. We'll be facing huge problems in terms of the need for new agricultural systems and crops. So it's a case of adapting or die in, in a sense, not just in terms of, of the rest of the world, but it's also true in terms of Ireland. And that's why this is such an important topic to grasp now and to, to avail of the opportunities and to be in the vanguard of what's happening rather than simply mm. you know, digging our heels in and saying what was good enough for my grandfather is good enough for me. That just won't wash in the future. Brilliant, John. Adapt or die. Those words will stay with me for a long time. So good to have you with us on the show today. I really do appreciate it. You were there for the fortnight. You experienced it firsthand. Your 10th. Well, here's to the 11th next time round, John. Thank you for joining me on the show. You're welcome, Jerry. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Emeritus Professor John Sweeney there from Maynooth University. He's a brilliant, brilliant guy, but lots of food for thought there in our conversation. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. We're heading to our first break of the afternoon. Stay with us. Is it me, Louise, or am I mistaken here? The Guinness ad, the Christmas Guinness ad was on television last night. I spotted it for the first time. Is that earlier than normal? Uh, not sure. I, don't I think, think it is. Do you think so? Oh, uh, yeah. I think the Guinness ad was never on until the 1st of December. Really? I, yeah, I think it's earlier this year. What do you think? Anybody with me on this one or uh, am I mistaken here? But I'm nearly sure it surprised me. Now, I know the others are all out, the supermarkets and the big retailers. So they'd have the ads out in August if they could for Christmas. <laughs> don't get me started on hey. that nonsense. But... Uh, I think the Guinness ad, I saw it last night and really... The usual one with the screen. Ah, the one and the pub in Mead and the whole lot and oh, okay. don't forget to put the lights out and at the home of the black one we're always dreaming of a white one. You know yourself what we're talking about. Anyway, anyone help us on that? 
Is it earlier this year than other years? I'd be curious if anyone feels that or am I mistaking altogether? Oh, eight, so six. With all the restrictions, they might want to put it out a little bit early in maybe case they're so. all closed by yeah, then. Yeah, maybe so and they're promoting a little earlier. But I always thought it was the 1st of December when it appeared. I really do. Oh, eight, six, eighteen hundred six five eight. You can WhatsApp or text me if you think I'm incorrect or correct or what what do you feel about it let us know anyway we'd love to hear from you on the show this afternoon yes indeed you hear the announcements coming we certainly seem to be heading backwards don't we there's no doubt about that bars, restaurants and nightclubs closing from midnight on Thursday the virus must go away at 12 o'clock at night does it? yeah it must goes away altogether goes to sleep Uh, working from home working from home again from Friday where at all possible and really an obligation on all of us to reduce our social interactions I think that's the biggest message because if these numbers keep going the way they're going it's not looking good it really ain't anyway we're heading to news weather and no not sport news and weather at two with this one I love it and after two three bios from Navin are joining us but into two it's something happens and parachute Thank you indeed for all your messages. There is general agreement with me that the Guinness ad has appeared earlier than normal. Louise has been on to me from Dundalk to say, I totally agree with you, Jerry, on the Guinness Christmas ad. I thought I was seeing things last night. That ad definitely never comes out until December. For some reason, Christmas has been advertised all round very early this year. Thank you for that. Earlier this year, for sure, Jerry, that Guinness ad says, Neve, yes, Jerry, you're dead right. I've seen it twice already, the Guinness ad this weekend. And it's getting earlier every year. And there's another one in from Christine to say, yes, Jerry, you're right. And the old cornflakes ad was out after the Guinness ad last evening. The cornflakes ad with the children leading the flakes out for Santa. When does that go back to? 1991, 30 years ago it appeared first. And the Guinness ad, a little bit later than the cornflakes, 2004 it first appeared on our screens. Paul says, Jerry, how do I charge my electric car when I live in a third floor apartment? Well, I take it there'll be chargers at ground level, Paul, to be honest with you there. And so on and so on they go. Love to hear from you on the show, 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to studio 1850-715-958 if you'd like to call in. Well, you're in for a treat on late lunch now. You're in for a three-in-one. What am I talking about? Yes, the boys are back in town. Jimmy Smith, Pat Coldrick and Brian Barn are among a host of stars appearing at the Solstice in Navin this Friday and Saturday evenings. And the boys are all with me on the show. Welcome back, all of you, to late lunch. Hey, Jerry. Well, Hi, Jerry. Oh, we got all three there. One, two, three in a row. Listen, I think we'll start in the States first, will we, with Brian Byrne. Hello again, Brian. Hey, Jerry, can you hear me okay? Oh, I have you there. Yes, you're booming in loud and clear. Listen, here's my first question. Now, be very careful how you answer this. It's very important because these gigs could be off, Brian. How does a fella who works with Barbara Streisand, Kelly Clarkson, Pink, Josh Groban, Lisa Stanfield and Van Morrison and so on and so on Hook up with the pair of codgers who are waiting to talk to me. Well, they're my managers, so they've, they've uh, sorted it out for me. Uh, it's payback time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway it's, it's your gig, your headline, Brian Barn and Friends. What's the story? Explain this whole extravaganza. Well, first of all, it's lovely to be with you, Jerry, and thanks for having us. A um, little bit of feedback here. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been here for two years 
the same as as everybody else kind of stuck in lockdown um and i'm coming home to work on a project and i thought it'd be amazing to just do a live gig um you know for the first time in two years uh and i thought it'd be great to do it in the hometown and especially with my good buddies uh, jimmy smith and pat Goldrick. um and we have we have an amazing lineup of musicians uh, and really it's just an excuse for us to see each other play music and and see friends and family and, and uh what better place to do it than the sauces in heaven? No better place indeed. Uh, so you're back for work here and you just thought, let's have a live bash as well, which is terrific. Just adjust your little knobbies there while I'm talking to the other two. We're getting a little bit of feedback from you, Brian. Just see what you can do there with Louise. Let me okay. go on to Jimmy Smith. Hello, Jimmy. Welcome back to the show. Jerry, how are you? Good to talk to you again. Uh, by the way, I can't hear a word Brian is saying, so I don't know what he's talking Is he saying nothing bad about me? <laughs> He's, no, he's crediting you with being his manager. You and Mr. Coldrick, joint managers. How about that? Well, no, I couldn't manage well here. I'm definitely not. I'm, 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 I'm resigning now as his manager. <laughs> <laughs> I knew there'd be trouble posing that question. I didn't mean to cause a friction between any of the boys at all. But, Jimmy, I know for yourself as well, we know yourself and Carrie, and we've been talking during the last couple of years and all the wonderful work you've done and you're back performing. I know you're heading for Limerick. Yeah, thanks for uh, hanging back to chat to us now. No problem. Um, looking forward to this with Brian and Pat and all the crew. And you're home down oh immensely I mean it's it's first of all Brian and me and Pat are great friends for years and uh, we rarely get to chat now in fairness me and Brian would work together a lot when he's here with the orchestra and stuff and then Pat would work separately because Pat does the, the guitar thing as well so for the three of us to get together to do something that where we'll be in the same room at the same time for a few hours it's, it's just brilliant. I'm looking forward to it immensely. You know what I mean? I'm sure you are. What about rehearsing just before I have a chat with Pat? What's your plan? <laughs> Will you... <laughs> Dear, uh, why... That's another stupid question. Go on, laugh away. Go on, go on. No, there'll be no rehearsal. It'll be... <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Brian, Brian for, for one thing, is a great uh, arranger and uh, yeah. he will have whatever music he wants to play. He'll have, he'll have it there for us. Uh, I'm not sure actually what we're doing at all. We'll get together on the day and we've all been doing it long enough, Jerry, in fairness, to yes. put together a fantastic show. Brian has some special guests, Lucia and uh, Willie, of course, the great Willie Bourne from Navin, who lives in England. So that Brian will be showcasing some of the stuff from the Angel of Broadway, which we've kind of done before in the concert hall. Uh, Pat will be doing his own thing. I'll do some things with Brian, some things with Carrie. Uh, it doesn't need any rehearsal. It's grand. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know, the the old dog for the hard road. The pros know what they're doing. Pat Coldrick, you're doing your own thing and don't you do it marvellously. Pat, welcome to the show. Thanks. Good, good to talk to you, Jerry. I'm just laughing at Jimmy there. I, I, I had no idea what Brian was saying either, either so I, I, I'm hoping that it was all good. <laughs> um, I'm laughing at Jimmy, but no rehearsal. I mean, uh, what, uh, Jimmy and Brian, these guys are world-class musicians. They don't need to rehearse. You know, <laughs> I may have to, but uh, listen, I'm really looking forward to Saturday and Sunday, or Friday, Friday and Saturday night, um, in the hometown, with the lads. It's just going to be rocking, you know, so mm. can't wait. Now, in fairness to Brian, he's the young gun. Can I say, um, I could be threatened on thin ice here, that Jimmy Sutton is a senior man and you're a little bit in the middle, Pat. Have I got that right? Oh, I'm well in the middle. I'm well in the middle, <laughs> Jerry. Hold on one. Just uh, hold on a second. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I remember having this conversation with you, Jimmy, many years ago. 
no, I'm well in the middle. Don't don't mind what these guys no, say. Okay, no, Jerry, it's just that I started very very young. You see, so I get the impression <laughs> that I'm actually older than these guys. It's just they were late starters. These characters. That's all it was. Oh, the old age. I thought age was touchy with women. It's worse with men when you're listening to me today. Jeez, I, I never yeah. thought it'd be like this at all. But Pat, you bring your brilliance uh, back to the solstice, and again we've been tic tacking over the last nearly when we talk about now two years at this yeah. stage uh, uh, you're going to reprise some of the great ones from your recent albums absolutely um, you know it, it, we had a great concert there as you know a couple of years back before Covid in the concert hall mm. uh, we had a great sellout night and uh, played um, mostly all my own uh, music which was beautifully arranged by Brian and <clears throat> excuse me and it, it was great actually because um uh, we were the three of us were on stage together, and there was a, there was a heading in the I think it was the Mead Chronicles on the, on the following Thursday morning, and Navin takes over the concert. Nick takes over the concert hall, but it was great. I remember looking over at Brian and then turning around at Jimmy, and I said, "Jesus, that's we're doing okay, aren't we?" <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm going to be playing some of my own songs um, with Brian and the lads, possibly a solo or two. Um, but as Jimmy was saying. Um, We'll decide all that on Friday afternoon, what we'll do, you know, but it's going to be great fun, very easy going, but the music is going to be superb. There's some great artists, like Jimmy was saying, Willie Byrne, Rob Strong will be there, Sharon Shannon. So it's it's going to be a fantastic mm. variety of music, you know. And, and in the green room, just before you go on, you know, you talk, you'll have good crack rehearsing down the day, of course, and all that goes with it. But when you're in the green room waiting to go out, Pat, come on, spill the beans. What's it like in there? Is there a tinge of nerves or does the fun just continue and you take it in your stride? Oh, I can't disclose that kind of information, Gary, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> what have I... Know, I... It, it's all good. It's all good, humoured, fun. Yeah. And it, it's so easy going. And, and the lads are great to work with. You know, there's no, there's no messing around. Everything is very, uh, very, you know, professional. Uh, but at the same time, there's great crack, a few stories. And, you know, it, it's lovely. Yeah, no, but I, I mean, I live for these kind of nights, you know. It's mm, mm, and there, let's is, there, there is a kind of an old saying: you should never put three naval men in one room at the same time. <laughs> you never get anything done because the stories. And then also, yeah. if not having the same as for for anything, it's that none of us ever tell the truth. We never let the truth get in the way of a good story, Jerry. <laughs> so I'll say something about years ago, and Pat will completely contradict that. But it's just as just as good an anecdote, and then Brian will come in with his version of it, and then we will end up arguing. We mightn't play it all, actually. On the, on the oh, we got. You will play, that's for sure. There'll be a riot in the in the solstice if that were to happen. Brian, back to you in the States. I hope the boys can hear you. I'm sure they can now. Uh, Brian, can you, hear me now, guys? can you hear him there, Pat? Um, no, Jerry, no, I can't. You're not picking him up. I, I don't, I, I don't I can... understand why that is, actually. Uh, well, we have Jerry, the... did... Can you hear me okay? I can. To America, Jerry. Oh, I know that, but that, <laughs> that shouldn't be an issue. Maybe we have Brian on Zoom, which is funny, and we have the two of you guys on uh, telephones. I don't know whether that has anything to do with it, but I'm just going to go back to Brian. I'll fill you in in a minute what he says. Hang on there, lads. Anyway, Brian, back to you just to say, you know, I was saying to Louise, you know, it's a three-in-one. And you know, in, in Chinese food parlance, you know, a three-in-one, and she said to me, no, it's a sun supper in uh, the Navin area, it's known as. And I want to talk for a moment that meal is named after a man called Son Marte Brian that's right yeah um, every Navonian will know what, what a sun supper is uh, it's basically it's it's a sin in any other country but you have uh, rice peas 
onions and chips and curry sauce in in a carton, and it's called the Sun Supper, and it was it was invented by Sun Martha, who, who very sadly passed away recently. Um, so the, you know we'll we'll dedicate a song to him on on Friday. But mm. I have a funny story. W- William Byrne is is um, singing with us on Friday and Saturday. William's a cousin of mine, the Jesus Christ Superstar in London. And, uh, William was a fan of the Sun Suppers too. And uh, when he moved to London first, he he went to a Chinese restaurant in Kilburn, and he was looking at the menu, and it's taken ages. And he, he eventually, this, the guy said, "What can I get you?" And he said, "Can I have a sun supper, please?" And they just looked at him, and they had no clue what he was. He thought every Chinese restaurant had a sun supper, <laughs> and there he was in Kilburn asking himself, so "He had a rude awakening." <laughs> I love it, Brian. I love it. We should I write love- a tune. We should maybe do a jazz tune on Friday, Jimmy, and we call it the, the Sun Supper Blues. Yes, yes, indeed. Let me go back to Jimmy there. Jimmy, uh, Jimmy, uh, if you can't hear, Brian, what we're talking about is a famous man, Sun Martha from Navin, musician as well. Uh, there's a, there's a dish called... Yeah. yeah, and, and Brian is saying maybe you'll, you'll dedicate a song to him, you know, put a jazzy thing together in his memory at, at the gig. Oh, I think so. I think that'd be the thing to do because uh, as we all knew Son well, and of course he had connections with Brian's father and and with my own family. Actually, his father Kevin Martha was used to play in my dad's band. I'd like it's again, Navin's a little bit incestuous, sadly. But we lost Son, and you talked about the was it the China Garden have have dedicated a, a meal to him? Mm. Well, I, I'd heard that before, and uh, so we'll have to the gone to the throne down. We'll have to do something for him, of course, and we'd happily do it on the night. You will. Uh, just back to you, Brian. You're coming home just to mention it for other work as well. What's what's in the pipeline? Well, I'm, at the start of December, I'm, I'm working on Angel of Broadway, which I think I talked to you about before. Yes. We're, we're doing a workshop uh, at the start of December. Uh, it's a private workshop where we get actors in a room and we work on the script and work on the next iteration of the theatre version. So uh, I'm, I'm working on that. And then I'm, I've been commissioned to write a, a piece for the Symphony Orchestra in Dublin for the 40th anniversary of the National Concert Hall. And so it's all got working on that, and then a show with Kurt Elling. He's in Scotland. I'm doing some arrangements for him. Um, so it's you know te- all all this tends to happen. I, I say I'm coming home, and then about fifty things happen in Ireland at the same time. So, mm. but I'm really excited about Friday and Saturday because it's just a it's a great chance for us to play live. You know, for the first time because it's two years behind a screen, and it's lovely in the ivory tower, but you can't be real people and going out and, and having the crack with people, and especially in Navin, so oh, can't wait. No, no, and I want to tell listeners today, it's on Friday and Saturday in the Solstice. Saturday is actually sold out, I know that, but there are some tickets still available for Friday night. So look at the crack you're going to have with these fellas and the wonderful music and all the other guests. And Brian has given us three pair of tickets to go along to Brian Byrne and friends on Friday night. You want to be able to go on a Friday night. Three pair of tickets to give away in late lunch today. Here's my question. On what date does the winter solstice, because they're in the solstice centre, fall in Ireland? On what date does the winter solstice fall for a pair of tickets, three prizes on late lunch? Get your answers in now. You love this show to 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me. And the the few tickets that are left, you want to get onto the solstice quickly to book your seats because it is going to be sold out, I guarantee you, on Friday night. Back to Pat Coldrick for a second. Pat, we've been chatting away there to Brian just teeing up uh, Friday and Saturday night. Pat, just from your own point of view, what's the plans going forward? Are you working on new stuff? Will we see an album over the next year or two or what? Absolutely, yeah. I've been working on a lot of um, new ideas here. I haven't really um, got back into playing full-time. Probably will sort of wait till Christmas, you know, and aim for next spring. It's hard to know what this uh, COVID situation is doing. Mm. 
No, I, I'd prefer just to settle down, just just take a rest from playing and, and doing a lot of writing, uh, a lot of practicing, and just coming up with whole new ideas. Absolutely, uh, fourth album um, will be will be definitely in the mix in the future. You know, so there's still some life in the old dog. By the way, while I have you there, Jerry, I I I, I can't hear what Brian is saying. But uh, you wouldn't do me a little favour. Would you ask Brian to bring me home a few sets of strings there? He might get them in the airport there. <laughs> the duty-free. Just for Friday night. I'll Friday get him some town, buffalo you know? strings. You can hear that, Brian, yes? I can hear that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know yeah, what? I'm yeah. already bringing Maybe home... a couple um, of bottles of Paddy Whiskey as well. <laughs> mind, you know? It's so funny, Jerry. Every time I come home, not only do I have gigs, but I have cousins and friends in... Would you bring me home a laptop? Would you bring me home an iPod? The lad's happy. <laughs> the old Irish thing to get the exchange rate. And I, so I, come, I go through customs and I'm like, I better not be telling them this, but I'm loaded with uh, with gear. <laughs> Brian, <laughs> shh, don't say much about that. Just do what you do normally and you'll have the strings for Pat. Anyway, I, I want to say just before we go, thanks to all three of you and reminding people, Friday night there are tickets for the Solstice. I'd love to be there at the rehearsal with the microphone and in the green room, but I'd more love to be at the gig itself. But there are limited uh, seats on Friday. I wish you all well. It's lovely to catch up with you and good luck for the rest of this year and into next year in challenging times again. Brian Byrne, Jimmy Smith and Pat Coldrick, thanks a million. Thank you, Jerry. Thanks very much, Jerry. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Three bios for sure. Miss Kylie Minogue from the album Fever going back to 2001 on late lunch this afternoon. Number two in the UK. Just missed top spot. And the reason I play it today is this. She was listening to her on Saturday. Oh, I was hanging on every word. She was on BBC Radio 2 with Claudia Winkleman. And she said that was her favourite song of all time of all the songs she sung Love at First Sight there you go it's Kylie's favourite I wonder if you asked her today would it be different sure it could be she has so many great ones but there you are that's why I play it today Miss Kylie Minogue new album new single new liaisons the woman is just timeless isn't she she really is she spans so many generations delighted to hear her again today on your late lunch a thousand euro Yes, Scotch Hall gift card. Would you like to win it? All you have to do anytime you visit the centre and spend €25, you get an entry. You put it in the draw drum at Scotch Hall and if your name comes out, we'll be reading it out here and you'll be in with a chance to spin that wheel and win that €1,000 Scotch Hall gift card. Great one, wouldn't it? Before the Christmas, to have an extra grand to spend there and all the lovely shops that are in the place. Oh, it'd be a great win altogether. So don't forget, if you go in and spend there, do fill in the form, put it in the drum. It could be you. Still to come on late lunch today, my artist of the week, Mr. Rod Stewart. Eating disorders in men, we're talking about it too and shortly on the show. She's back for a monthly feature with us and thank you for your questions. We have them in already. A number of you want to ask Sinead Kelly, our vetted question, 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me. She's with us after this break. Now time for one of our regulars on Late Lunch and if you have a question for 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text, I'm delighted to say hello again to vet Sinead Kelly. Sinead, how are you? I'm grand, thanks, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining me again. Helen's been on to ask you this. She has a basset hound and blisters between the toes. Doesn't understand why, what to do. Okay, so um, a couple of different things. Uh, they can get dogs can get uh, little lesions in between their toes called interdigital cysts. Uh, so some dogs are particularly prone to that. Sometimes it can be 
if there's just one, um, you need to get it. I mean, either way, you need to get it checked at your local vest. But if there's just one, it could be something like a reaction to ingrowing hair, or it could be a reaction maybe to a little tiny penetration from a little tiny thorn or a firm body. If there's more than one, then sometimes they can be a sign of a kind of deep-seated skin infection. And sometimes you can get that as a kind of secondary issue, maybe to skin allergies or things like that, or maybe to kind of, you know, severe other severe skin conditions. Um, and also certainly some hormonal conditions can predispose if you get lots of them. So say an underactive thyroid gland or things like that. So Bassets would be one of the kind of dog who would be prone to skin issues. They've got lots of very kind of loose, flappy skin. Um, so if the dog has more than one, it's possible it's, it's part of a generalized skin disorder. Um, but I'll say either way, I think you need to have a chat to the vet because certainly it needs to be investigated because there could be either something there stuck in there. If it's just one, there could be some infection or it could be a sign of other, of other disease. So definitely have a chat to the vet. Now, here's another one, Justin. No name on it. Jerry, will you ask Sinead this for me? I will indeed. Our cat keeps marking the furniture around the house. What can I do to stop it? By that, do they mean urine marking? Well, I, 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 or rubbing I, their face? So there's two kinds. So okay. uh, obviously urine marking is not something we want to, to encourage. And often, basically, well, uh, for starters, young, un, unneutered male cats will do that uh, when they start reaching puberty. And that can be sorted out by neutering them. Other cats uh, will sometimes urine mark if there's maybe more than one cat in the household or if there's stress, say a new person in the house, a new baby, um, something stressful. And if it's, if it's actually urine mark, then you need to speak to your vet first of all and get the animal checked out physically that there's no urinary tract issues and then you can get some a referral to behaviours to give you lots of advice on trying to stop the unwanted behaviour. If it's facial marking and I don't know if that's what they no, mean. No Sinead, any- just come in there as you speak, it's urine. All right, okay, so urine, yeah. So definitely, first of all, have a chat to the vet because it could be that there's maybe something like a urinary tract infection that needs to get sorted out. If there's no physical problem, then it's normally a kind of behavioural or psychological issue. The most common problem, as I say, is stress. And so stress for a cat could be something like there's a new cat in the neighbourhood that's maybe duffing him up when he's outside or maybe just looking in the window and kind of intimidating him a little bit psychologically or stress in the house, like I say, maybe building work or something new, uh, a dog, another cat. We, we kind of get it all wrong a little bit with cats in that we tend to keep cats on their, on their, uh, as multiples often and unless they're siblings and sometimes even if they are siblings but definitely if they're, if they're not siblings and haven't grown up together cats really don't like each other most of the time they like having their own patch and their own territory and so often urine marking happens as a way of stating to the other cat this is my patch or it's as a stress related thing so definitely get the, the, the cat physically checked out by the vet to make sure there's no physical underlying issue and then there's a few different things you can do to reduce stress in the house you can get one of these feelyway diffusers which produces this kind of cat-beating pheromone you can try various different kind of behavioural modification techniques that your vet will have a chat with you about and, but probably you'll probably need to get in touch with an animal behaviourist um, there's, there's plenty you can find in, in Ireland but definitely don't ignore it because it's a sign that something is wrong either physically or mentally um, and the problem is that if the cat keeps doing it Try as we might, often we use uh, biological uh, cleaning products to clean the urine and actually they contain a product called urea, which actually smells like urine, so often that makes the cat go and do it again. So the best way when you're cleaning up the urine is to use often citrus-based products and try and use um, something that's not uh, anything that contains urea, so something that's not a, a biological product, so something more, even just sometimes, you know, soapy water, mm. uh, your, your old kind of favourite, but definitely get it checked out. Okay, thank you indeed, Sinead. Uh, please- 
please, Jerry, could you ask your lovely vet? She is lovely, sure, Aww. I know that. Anyway, my King Charles is snoring so loud it keeps us awake at <laughs> night. Uh, she's in the utility room below us, and okay. it's bad. It's oh. not just at night, too, Jerry. It's loud during the day. Okay, so, I mean, Cavaliers and King Charles uh, are, are one of the breeds of dogs that can make quite a lot of noise, a lot of kind of snoring if they're asleep. Um, and in the same way that it can happen with people, basically it's it's any dog that has a lot of kind of maybe excessive soft tissue at the back of their throat. Um, and so for, if it's a true King Charles, so the King Charles Spaniel, without the Cavalier bit in front, is more flat-faced, has quite a squash face. A Cavalier has a longer nose. So if it's a dog who has quite a squashed or flat face, Essentially, these dogs, um, we've kind of spoken about it before, they have to fit everything into their face and nasal cavity and mouth and pharynx that like a Springer Spaniel has to. So essentially, if the face is a bit squashed, you don't have enough room for your tongue, your soft palate, your larynx, your pharyngeal soft tissues. And so basically, if these are all squashed together, they'll, they'll kind of hover over the larynx when you're sleeping and they'll cause a reverberation of noise and you'll get this kind of snoring. Now, so if it's a dog who's always done that, then that is probably normal for that breed of dog. Um, but if it's something that is, is getting worse, and even if it isn't a dog that's always done it, if you feel it's getting worse, it would suggest that you maybe have an issue there at the back of the throat, at the top of the, the pharynx or larynx, whereby there is excessive soft tissue or excessive inflammation and that's causing this extra soft tissue bulk and you're getting the snoring. So have a chat to your vet just so they can check the little one out. Dogs that are what we call brachycephalics with squash faces, unfortunately, uh, we have bred dogs to, to look a certain way because we like the way they look, but it's, it's not good for the dog because they need lots of room for, for their tongue and their soft palate and everything. So if dogs are severely affected, uh, they actually can, can develop severe, severe breathing problems. So definitely something to have a chat with the vet and maybe they can just check and see and you can get referred to a soft tissue specialist and if, if there is a severe problem, then they can do basic, uh, you know, several mm. different surgical procedures to try and help things a little bit. Um, so obviously the owner will know themselves if that's an actual flat-faced flat King Charles or a Cavalier, but either way, just get it checked out just to make sure there's nothing else happening, like maybe a little bit of tonsil enlargement or something at the back of the throat that's causing that. Okay, great. I hope that's of help to you, Angela. Philip from RD's been in touch. He has an 11-month-old XL American bully, and the dog uh, is shaking its head and banging, he thinks, it looks like his ear off the wall. Uh, this is happening right now, and he's looking for a pointer from you. Yeah, yeah. So I would say you need to get down to the vet, you know, quite quickly. Um, so if it's kind of acute onset, head shaking and, and banging the ear, then there could be something like a little foreign body down the ear, so a little kind of grass on. Um, they, they can quite commonly get down the ear. Um, or it could just be a, a nasty ear infection. So ear infections in, in dogs uh, can be very, very, very painful. So you can get a lot of inflammation and irritation. Sometimes the trigger is maybe if the dog has been swimming or if there's underlying allergic skin disease or just any little bit of if you've got a kind of floppy ear or if the dog's getting a bit of hot and sweaty down there um, the normal bacteria and yeast that live down there can multiply out of control and within a space sometimes of just even less than an hour you can get a really really painful inflamed sore ear and either the dog will sometimes shake its head sometimes scratch its ear or sometimes try and rub the ear or, or you know kind of you know um, push it or, or bang it against something but definitely don't delay because if it's something like a foreign body um, like a little grass on down there if you don't get that removed by the vet then it could puncture the eardrum and spread to middle ear disease so so definitely give give uh, give your local vet 
get a, a ring in RD. Uh, there's definitely lots of vets in RD. Um, and get an appointment to get that checked out. I wouldn't leave it because yes. even if it's not a foreign body, it'll be really, really sore. Anyone who's had an ear infection will know mm. it's very, very sore. Oh, absolutely. Sinead, this is an, an amazing one that's just dropped in. Listen to this. We had our cat spayed 10 months ago. Okay. She went missing. Okay. You won't believe this, Jerry, but she arrived back last night. Oh, wow. After 10 months. Would you ask, Sinead, how can we prevent this from happening again? We can't believe she's back. I'm, I'm not surprised oh, you can't believe Lord, it. Oh, Lord, right. So this is a big debate then. It's going to be a debate about whether you have your cat be an outdoor cat or an indoor cat. Mm. Um, so, I mean, the problem is that, as anyone knows, cats are cats and they do what they want. So if you let your cat go outdoors, there's really no way of preventing the cat roaming unless you physically confine him or her. And, you know, some people would say, well, that's not fair to have a cat that's purely indoors. Um, I, myself, we got two little kittens last year um, after our little kitten had died from illness and we were all heartbroken. And we made the decision not to let our cats be outside cats because I spend my working life dealing with cats that have been, you know, hit by cars or attacked by dogs or seriously injured. And the world out there is quite a dangerous, you know, place. So I think if you want to ensure that never happens again, I would say your cat's going to have to become an indoor cat. But if that's the case, then obviously you're going to have to provide a lot of entertainment and a lot of other, you know, fun, exciting things inside. Because especially a cat who has been outside, you need a little bit of interest and stimulation. And it's different to what we, we describe for dogs. But, you know, you're going to have to, you can invest in lots of different different kind of toys and interactive games and climbing frames and lots of things for cats these days. You can play with your cat. You can provide lots of stimulation. And also what you can do is get a little specific cat harness, get your cat trained to that in the house and go out for little walks with your cat in the garden or in a very safe place. Now, that sounds silly, but lots of people do it. Yes. Um, and it is a very safe place to have, a safe way of having your cat outside. The other things people do, if they have lots of money, is you can build almost like an outside uh, a catio, I saw it called on an American program the other day, um, that your cat has exposure to kind of the outside world and climbing, but they're safe. And unfortunately, much as I agree, cats love going outdoors and they love the interaction, but the mortality rate on the roads and the missing race is really high. Mm. And certainly we couldn't bear it in our family. Um, you know, now we're lucky. We have two little cats. They grew up as brothers. They adore each other and they get so much fun out of each other. Uh, and also, you know, they'd be very interactive. So we'd have lots of time interacting and playing with them and that's what their life has been so it's not like they've been outside and now are not um, but definitely I think you know your 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 caller is going to have to think about well what's you know if, if you do let the cat keep going outside that is a risk I mean you can have the cat microchipped such that if the cat does go missing and turns up in a vet or somewhere that you can be reunited providing the cat has survived and nothing awful has happened to it but other than that there's no way you're not going to be able to train your cat to come back I'm afraid um, it's, it's very very difficult so it's a really hard one because I know cats love going outside um, but equally it is heartbreaking to lose a little one and unfortunately in, in the vet world I'm afraid you know a huge number of cats come into us as casualties from the roads or, or fights or just they've gone missing and it's very very sad it really is uh, good advice there amazing after 10 months that that creature returned it's amazing the house, and they're incredible it? you wonder what happened like did the little yeah. one make 
friends with somebody else or you know yeah. it's, it's intriguing you wish they could talk and they're so so good at tr- this is what always breaks my heart as well when I get these cats in and they've been hit by a car or something the owner often says that literally the little one turned up at the back door and they would have dragged themselves in the road or tried to get home somewhere mm. and that would just break your heart it would indeed it really really does you know bless them but yeah unfortunately the world is a big scary dangerous place outside there for cats so certainly think about it and if you are going to let your cat be outdoors you kind of have to warn especially younger people in the house look this is what might happen and all you can really do to make that as safe as possible yep. is make sure the cat's microchipped um, try and maybe only let your cat out at certain times maybe during the day or I mean what I used to do with the cat I had before back in England was I just used to go out with her in the garden and she'd follow we, we did it from very young age and she would follow me and, and follow me for treats and come back in so she was mm. only out under supervision yes yes and most cats won't do that though that's the only thing uh, that's the thing that's their nature anyway Sinead we have to leave it there for today I have more questions I will hold them over she will be back with us shortly it's great to chat to you thank you so much Sinead take care of yourself bye bye Sinead Kelly our vet isn't she simply brilliant Louise you are a cycling family I know you love cycling and you have many men in your family who love cycling too well when you say cycling family I definitely agree with the the rest of them <laughs> <laughs> but you've got cycling on your bike I do you were love telling cycling me but on, up on to forest the, parks up to the forest parks in the north which are safe. I say I, I just want to mention something I was travelling uh, over to Dunboyne the weekend and there were on Sunday and there were lots of cyclists out early in the morning and most of them were fine but there were some who were two and three abreast you know what I mean mm. on the road which I thought was and, and then I saw a motorist trying to overtake cyclists on a bad stretch of road. You know, it shouldn't have happened. Coming towards me, I had to actually pull in and let the car by. So I just wanted to say today a, few, a couple of things. Cyclists, motorists, all road users need to respect each, each other. other. There's no point in giving out. Everybody needs to respect each other. I want to say this. And I always say you're vulnerable on a bicycle, you know, compared to a any type of motorised vehicle. And cyclists should be given leeway, but cyclists should take care too to be aware of, you know, cars and trucks and everything else in the road. But definitely motorised vehicle users like I was and others, when I saw that car trying to get by and forcing his way by, you know what I mean? If anything happened, my God, there was an accident there waiting to happen. We must must all respect each other on the roads. That's just a little message I'd like to to uh, send out today on late lunch something I just observed when I was driving at the weekend but it and is and wear bright colours from now on oh, in especially sure. I see kids coming home from school and yes. they're in black like. ah listen and they're being given away the hive is you know what I mean and it's important because you know people are at early morning right we have the little extra light with the hour but evening time especially you're so right it is the time of the year to be extra careful and light up on the roads that's the message today late lunch LMFM radio more from Rod Stewart after three and Men and eating disorders. Yes, us boys go through it too. But taking us to news, weather and sport, it's James Arthur on Late Lunch. We were speaking earlier on the show, the three codgers, Brian Byrne, Jimmy Smith and Pat Coldrick, and they're bringing a wonderful variety show to the Solstice this Friday and Saturday. Saturday sold out. There are still some tickets for the Friday night. I have three pairs to give away today. The Solstice, the Winter Solstice in Ireland, 21st of December was the answer I was looking for and winning a pair of tickets each to go along on Friday night I'm really jealous Anne McCooey Nadine Kerr 
and Terry Kelly. Well done to all of you. Your na- we'll uh, be in touch with you after the show to make the arrangements about you picking up your tickets beforehand. And uh, congratulations to you. And well done to everybody who got in touch with us. Also, well done to Keith Duffy. Yes, I spoke to Keith uh, a few weeks back on the show. He's an auctioneer in Dundalk and he was abseiling, huge abseil he did in Dublin. And he was in touch with me to say, Jerry, we raised, believe it or not, 22,000 from the DNG group, which went towards the 100,000 raised for the Ronald McDonald House. Isn't that fantastic well done Keith they'll be back to you again for sure to raise more cash in the future that's a wonderful story well done again now my artist of the week this week is none other than the enigmatic and the wonderful Mr Rod Stewart and Rod released his debut solo album called An Old Raincoat Won't Let You Down isn't it a great name back way back in 1969 and uh with the faces, who he was, he was between the faces, you know, and his solo career, uh, they released their first uh, LP as well. That came out in 1970. And in the same year, a second album, because you see, back at that stage, artists were expected to produce a couple of albums a year. Rod was back with album number two called Gasoline Alley, but it wasn't until the following year, 1971, and his third effort called Every Picture Tells a Story that truly launched Rod Stewart's career. The lead single, Maggie May, and album topped the US and UK singles charts respectively for five and six weeks. It was uh, something else at the time. And for the next four years, as I said, he oscillated between the faces, his group, and his solo career. And he enjoyed success on both fronts. I don't know how he kept going. Albums, tours, appearances and interviews on radio and TV shows worldwide rolled along non-stop until 1975, when Ronnie Wood, who was part of the Faces, decided he was quitting to join the Rolling Stones. Good move, wasn't it? And with Rod's solo career burgeoning at that stage, well, the Faces became no more. In 75, Rod relocated to Los Angeles and released his first album on the Warner Brothers label. It was called Atlantic Crossing. And it featured a cover of a Sutherland Brothers song, which became a mega hit for Stuart and my song from Rod today. I am sailing I am sailing home again across the sea I am sailing stormy Yes, Sailing and Mr Rod Stewart covering the song written by Gavin and Ian Sutherland. Now, most people think that song is about a young fella telling his girl that he's crossing the Atlantic to be with her. Nothing to do with it at all. A young fella ships of the Atlantic. It's actually an account of mankind's spiritual odyssey through life on his way to the freedom and fulfilment with the supreme 
being. That's what it's all about, that song. There you are. Anyway, a lovely one and a massive hit for Rod Stewart. More from Rod in Words and Music tomorrow on Late Lunch, round about this time. But we finish off the show today after a final break with uh, the director of a new documentary about eating disorders, Alan Bradley. I spoke to my next guest in the summer of 2020 ahead of the airing of a brilliant documentary on television about Sean Boylan and he's back with a new one and it is fascinating. It's called Unspoken. It goes out on RTE at a quarter past ten this Thursday evening. RTE one that is and I'm delighted to say hello again to Alan Bradley. Alan welcome back. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining me on the show. Alan, I suppose there's such a contrast between Sean Boylan's life story and this. It's a it's about eating disorders, a taboo topic, may I say, in this country, because it's about men. Where has this come from with you? Yeah, no, I know. People might think it's a bit of a leap. Um, but I suppose uh, after making Sean, I was looking for what I wanted to work on next. And I've been working on this ever since. It's, it's been a year of work on this film and yeah I just wanted to find a story and tell a story that I hadn't heard before um, and something I wanted to shine a light on when I was you know given the opportunity to make something um, and I just did loads of research and, and came across there's a issue with eating disorders in Ireland for men and women it's really hard to access care it's a bit of a crisis for everyone but I suppose through my research I found that it's perhaps an added barrier for men just because people don't expect it and don't look for it um, and there's that stigma attached to it. So, yeah, I just got interested in it and thought it'd be something that I wanted to explore further. And mm. here we are. You are on the money here because it is something that I don't recall being addressed in documentary format, certainly in the last five to ten years or so, especially when it centres around men. And when you read the stats, you know, the Eating Disorder Association of Ireland, a 105% increase in men seeking help from it and its services in 2021. It's certainly a hot topic. How did you get the three main uh, protagonists or the three boys featured in it? And they're all young men, Cormac, Daniel and Owen. Yeah, so you're you're right in what you're saying about it hasn't really been covered much in documentary and that's mostly down to the fact that it's hard to get people to come forward mm. and tell their stories and I suppose show their face and if you're making a documentary it's very difficult to hide your face. You kind of have to show who you are. Um, so that that is a challenge when you're making a story about this because it is so sensitive. But yeah, the three guys are incredible. Um, I came across them through just reaching out through BodyWise. They were a great help in finding people. And we just put calls out on social media, to be honest, and sort of with something that's sensitive, I didn't want to approach anybody directly myself. I sort of put it out there and saw who got in touch and felt they might be in a place to share their story. And I, I spoke to numerous guys, and then, and then we settled on, on going ahead with uh, Cormac Daniel and Owen. And like they're, they've shared so openly in the film. It's, it's quite incredible, really. Like they're, they're incredible, three men. And, you know, there's no doubt about it. There are m- numerous misconceptions around this. Uh, you know, there are stereotypes as well. I take it in treating the subject and a very sensitive subject with these guys, you take on those issues? Yeah, and I suppose I didn't know anything about eating disorders before I started making the film. So I think that put me in a good position to almost be the viewer who perhaps might not know anything either because I had to learn it all as well. And I was shocked by the misconceptions because I had them too. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for example, 85% of people who have eating disorders are not underweight. Um, and I think all of us, when we think of an eating disorder, tend to think of the stereotype of 
most likely a female and also someone who probably is quite emaciatedly thin when that's not the majority of people who have it. And I suppose what that does then is stops people who are struggling, who don't fall into that one niche category, it stops them feeling comfortable to look for help because they almost think they can't have this problem. I honestly think you're going to bring uh, something out into the open here that's going to have a hell of a reaction and you're going to have more men especially coming forward I'm sure after this that that would be a, a real win-win wouldn't it for you? Yeah exactly I think that's why all three of the guys signed up to do the film and, and wanted to share their stories they found it so difficult to get help even accessing help like through doctors there are also is those misconceptions often in the medical profession as well so through all their bad experiences, what they want to do is share their story so that other guys perhaps wouldn't have to go through the same things they had to go through and perhaps would feel more comfortable themselves to come forward having seen what, what the three lads you know, went through. I have to identify. Yes, yes, and and I I see that. I see that being the upshot of this afterwards. This is the start of something uh, that's going to open up uh, a real can of worms with many people, and rightly so, that people will come forward and feel more comfortable about uh, telling their stories as well and seeking help from people such as uh, Body Wise. I have to say, Alan, you're a talented fella. Sean was brilliant, and you're bringing your talents to bear on a totally different area here, and uh, I wish you well with it. Unspoken airs on RTE one this Thursday uh, the 18th of November at 10.15 I'll be tuned in for sure because I'm really curious now look forward to it thank you for joining me on the show today thanks for having me on Jerry appreciate it not at all that's Alan Bradley there unspoken RTE one 10.15 Thursday and well done to him again that's a lot on late lunch for this Tuesday afternoon tomorrow we're going to ref off yes with Errol Sweeney top referee Oh, it's not good, is it, out there if you're a whistler in the middle of the field in soccer? Errol's with us tomorrow to talk about it. Jean-Baptiste, oh, this man knows all about hospitality, wines and more besides. Lakelands Crematorium are with us. It's a new enough concept here in Ireland. We're going to be talking to them and John Moore. You remember John, his cookery book. Well, he's back with a new one and he joins me tomorrow on the show. And more besides. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive. Have a lovely Tuesday. See you Wednesday for late lunch at 1.30 The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drada and Dogan Cabin Order your new Dacia Duster or the all new Dacia Sandero and Stepway. Guaranteed delivery and low rate APR finance Visit blackstonemotors.ie Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare it pays to be extra and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.